Would you open God's precious holy word to the Revelation chapter 14 and we're going to, God willing, finish out this chapter. This is the final, this is the overview of the finality of the wrath of God in this part. It's, it's sort of an overview and then we pick up after this chapter, we pick up details. So what's left? First of all, the seven bowls of wrath, the seventh trumpet, seven, seven bowls of wrath. Then Armageddon, the battle of Armageddon. Those are somewhat summarized in a spiritual fashion here in uh, verses 14 through 20. So let's, uh, let's look at it together, Revelation 14. And I looked and behold a white cloud, and upon the cloud is sitting one like son of man. There's no definite article there. You could either say like a son of man, or you could take it as a title. I take it as a title when I look at it. I'm not, not many would do that in the translation. It doesn't say like the son of man. It, it just says like son of man. It, no, no article. In Koine Greek, you would assume then either a title or an indefinite article like a son of man. But because of Daniel and his designation of the Messiah as son of man, and because Christ referred to himself as son of man, I just use it like a title here. We know who we're talking about. We're talking about the Son of God, Son of Man, the Messiah, the Christ. So his sitting on a cloud takes us back to Daniel, probably around chapter 7 in Matthew 24, where it speaks of the Messiah uh, coming in clouds of glory. The further description, having a golden crown on his head. Now, that word crown is different from the one that he will finally have on his head and it would have been seen on his head in heaven. The Greek word there is stephanon, a crown, stephanon. It's a victor's crown. It is not diadema. The diadema is the king's crown. It's the crown of authority and sovereignty. But this is a crown that is the crown of a victor. In other words, he's coming for a fight and he already knows he's going to be the winner. So he wears, he wears a, a Stephanos rather than a diadema here. That's an interesting thing to take note of that the different word is used here and it is the word of a victor. Having a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand, now the reference to the sharp sickle, we go back to Joel 3, uh, Joel, and then we go back maybe to Isaiah 63. Uh, there are quite a few prophetic references to the end of the age and the establishment of the kingdom, the final battle, uh, the plight of Israel at the very close of the age, and uh, then the defeat of the Gentile power but they're here and there. They, they follow a particular theme in the writing of a particular inspired prophet. 
the revelation brings them all together, uh, so to speak. Uh, and it's a little, it gives us a little clearer uh, timeline and the way things happen at the close of the age. So we, we pick up on references here that we, that we see in the Old Testament. And when we see that, we're able to put these things together and get a pretty good idea of, of what's going on uh, in, uh, in, in the, at the end of the age. When we, when, we get our, when we get our studio up and going, uh, one of the things I hope to do on a, on a regular basis is just to start in the Old Testament and take the whole prophetic scenario of the end of the age so that everybody can see the bits and pieces and the details here and the details there. And when you see them, it's like a puzzle. You can put it all together and you get a very definite view of exactly what things occur and how they occur in the very close of the age. So here we're looking back at Daniel 7 and Joel 3 and a couple of other places, uh, Matthew 24. Um, and we get the idea here that the Lord is coming for a fight. He's coming to defeat a challenger. And he already has the victor's crown on his head. And another angel came out of the temple. All right. This is the temple in heaven. The sanctuary, the temple in heaven is the abode of God. That's the way it's depicted in the pattern, in the, in the uh, copy, not, the, not the, the, the one that's patterned after the one in heaven, the copy, which is the tabernacle and later Solomon's temple. Because in the Holy of Holies, it's the abode of, of Yahweh and, and, and so forth. So this means that the angel is coming out from the presence of the Father, God the Father. Crying in a loud voice to the one sitting on the cloud. Now that's the Christ of God. He is the one who we will see later on this white war horse. And he is, he is ready to go fight. He, he, nothing, nothing is going to stand in his way from, from winning this battle. John, what is it, John 5? We, we're told that the father... Uh, allocates judgment to the son. The father sets the tempo and gives the authority to the son to, to commit all judgment. So all judgment is handed over to the son. But when it is executed, is given by the father. The father gives the command and the son will execute the command. So here coming forth from the father in the temple, loud voice, another angel to the one sitting on the cloud who is Christ. Put forth your sickle and reap because the hour to reap has come because the harvest of the earth has ripened. Now let me let me let me point out something here. And I really should have translated it as has over ripened. That's really the way that it would be. Uh, the word is exergante. 
Now this is a different word from a word that's translated ripened in a verse or two later. So the, the picture is of a grain harvest and of a grape harvest. That's the picture. The, the, the two sickles going to be sent forth into the world. The first one is, 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 is an illustration or it's the reality of an illustration of grain harvest. Remember, Christ had given a parable about wheat and tares, for example. Let them grow together until the time of judgment. And then at the time of judgment, the wheat will be gathered, but the tares will be bundled up and thrown into the fire. The angels will gather them together. So this is that grain harvest, so to speak, that the Lord speaks of. Because the harvest of the earth has over-ripened. That's really the way I should have put it up there. Has over-ripened. Now that's an interesting thought. It tells us the word, okay, the word here, that Greek word that I, exerante, uh, the, the, the Greek word up there means to be dry, to be parched, to be dried out and useless. Um, I'm not a farmer. I don't have any fruit trees or anything, but I do know what a useless apple looks like when it's dried out, fallen to the ground, it's rotted. I do know what a peach or a pear looks like when it's just dried out and rotted. It's useless. It's not good for anything. Here's the point. I believe it's made here. The harvest of the earth, that which is to be harvested, has overripened. It is rotten and useless. So there's there's sort of a there's sort of a glimpse of grace here that God has gone beyond when it was ripened. I mean, it is so ripe now. This is the world, the earth dwellers. So ripe now, they're overripe and there's nothing that can be done to help them. They are dried out, parched, fallen down, rotten, and useless. This is how God considers the remainder of the earth dwellers with the exception of what few Gentiles are saved and are in hiding and the Israelites who are hiding and who are being hidden and who are saved as well. They're, they would be in the minority here on earth at this point in time. And the one sitting upon the cloud swung his sickle upon the earth. The earth was harvested. This is like the grain harvest. Now the final, the, the final thing is Armageddon. It seems to me that in a spiritual sense, the sickle of the Lord is being swung and they are, they are, they are being killed, they're dying, or survivors are being driven to Armageddon. Now when you study, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Armageddon is, is the next thing. So this is the picture that we get here. These would be, now the details 
of the grain harvest are going to come out and we're going to see those in the seven bowls of wrath. This is a summary. And then the details of how it works out in, in the wrath of God being poured out will be seen in the pouring out of the seven bowls of wrath that come out from the temple that is in heaven. And another angel came out of the temple in heaven. So now the father sends forth another, also having a sharp sickle. Now this angel brings his own sickle. This is not the son of man. This is another angel. And another angel came out of the altar. Okay. It says that he has having authority over the fire. This we've, we've seen this guy before. We've seen this scene before. This is the altar of incense. The brazen altar on the outer part of the temple area or the tabernacle area is where the worshiper would deal with his sin. That's where his sacrifice would be made. There was a fire there at the altar and sacrifices would be burned, burned up. Coals off of that fire at the morning and evening sacrifices and during the morning and evening sacrifices, the worshipers would be outside praying. He would come and take coals from where the sacrifice would be made and he would add that to his incense and he would wave it around. His, his censer, this thing that he had and, and this, the incense, the, the lovely smell, the fragrance would fill the temple, but he's carrying it to the altar of incense. Now that's on the outer part of the Holy of Holies of the holy place in which God dwelled. And the incense, you're, you, hopefully you'll remember this. We've seen this before. The incense is the prayers of the saints. So that as the people were praying, their prayers were brought into the presence of God. And that incense was a sweet-smelling savor to God. Well, this is the real thing. This isn't the worship thing in the Old Testament. This is the real deal here. So this is the fire angel. He is attending the incense altar. He has authority over fire. He called out in a loud voice to the one having the sharp sickle, saying, put forth your sharp sickle. I misspelled sharp your sharpie sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth because its grapes have fully ripened. Different Greek word here. Different Greek word have fully ripened uh, is, is the word ekmasen, ekmasen. Different, totally different word, different meaning. If you were to go and get into your Strong's Concordance they're separated probably by about 2,000 numbers, letters. They're in different, it's different words. Here, it's the time. Gather the clusters, the vine of the earth, because these guys are ready for me, the Lord, to bleed them to death. 
That's the picture that's given in the Bible. We have to first go to Zechariah 14 to understand it a little clearer. And then we look here and then we look at the battle of Armageddon, which we'll get to God willing here in a few weeks. So this angel is told by the fire angel, put forth your sharp sickle. We're going to crush the rest of them. Now this will be at Armageddon. We're going to crush them to death and they're going to bleed all over the place. The Bible is very graphic in describing this final battle. Why? Because they are fully ripened. They are, they are, <laughs> they are full of hatred and sin. Here's what this means. These people being gathered and they're going to join whatever forces are already there at Armageddon. This tells us that humanity reaches the most sinful peak that it could possibly reach. It cannot be any more sinful. So the human race at this point, the earth dwellers, if you left them there another thousand years, they still couldn't be any more sinful than this. They are totally darkened in their hearts, filled with hatred toward God and his Christ and the people of heaven, the angels of heaven. And, and, and they mean, they mean to defeat Christ. They are under such delusion. It's, it's to you and me, it's unbelievable for someone to be so deluded, especially when you think of everything they've gone through and that we've studied in the book of the revelation. But they are fully ripened. They can't get any worse than this. So then, and the angel put forth his sickle to the earth and gathered the vine of the earth. Now let's go back here. Let me make a point. Gather the clusters from the vine of the earth. When you separate earth dwellers from the power of the kingdom of this world, which includes political power, economic power, a lust for sin, the pleasures of men, humanism, man-centered false religion, um, and whatever else, all of the things that are of this world. When you, when you destroy all of it, and we're going to see the destruction of it in the next, as the bowls are poured out, the, the commerce is destroyed, false religion is destroyed, uh, the, the great whore of Babylon, all of that, everything is destroyed, one thing after another. So here, everything that these people have worshipped, the system of this world, the kingdom of this world, one thing after another in rapid fire, taken away from them. The proclamation had already been earlier made and we saw it in this chapter. Babylon the great is fallen. Is fallen. So God judged the system of the world, the kingdom of the world, the way of the world, and now the earth dwellers are going to be one thing at a time separated from the vine of the earth. Everything that they've depended on and lived for, one after another, 
taken away from them. So now we can continue here. And the angel put forth his sickle to the earth, gathered the vine of the earth, and cast them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city. Winepress. In the Old Testament, it would have been a, a long stone that would have been hewn out. You throw all the grapes in there, and then people get in there and they stomp on the grapes. And then the juice flows out into a lower uh, stone that would gather the juice. And then it would go through a screening process where the leaves are removed and then finally you get down to just a clear juice after a process. But the, the initial process is to stomp the juice out of the grapes. That was done in the wine press. So the picture of the wrath of God, the battle of Armageddon, and this is, this is the second, but the first part of what we studied tonight had to do with the grain harvest. The second part is the grape harvest. The first part, the grain harvest, is what I call shock and awe. This is where everybody in the world is just softened up for what's about to happen, which is death. Because it is in this wine press, it is in the Battle of Armageddon, where Christ returns in power and glory. And that is the second coming of Christ. So the earth dwellers are being gathered finally to the wine press, and they're gathered all together in that place. And in the appearance of the Christ of God, the sharp sword of the Word of God goes forth from his mouth. He's on a white horse, he's wearing a robe. And Zechariah says, when God shows up, to fight his enemy, their skin melts, their dissolves from their bodies. Their vitreous fluid of the eyes melt out of their eye sockets and their blood spills out all of it. So you have millions and millions of people gathered here. Christ shows up. Now, you know, if you're like me, you're, you're back there somewhere on a horse saying, man, I hope I get to shoot somebody. But you're not going to get to. That's kind of a bad thing for me to say. I, you know, no, I don't. I'm just following the Lord. He shows up. The word of God destroys them. <laughs> they don't get to. It's kind of pitiful. All of the. You, you can imagine all of the threats and the talk from Antichrist and and his false prophet and how they would have, how they would uh, beaten the people into a frenzy and people are foaming at the mouth just to get a chance to fight the Christ of God. Christ shows up, poof, all of them at once. Their flesh melts, their eye sockets dissolve, their blood drops splatter, just like that, just like that. The blood is like this. And the blood of that group of people flowed out of that wine press as high as the bridles of the horses to the distance of 1,600 stadia. Now that's, 
I had a horse once that was 16 and a half hands high. Her bridle would have been five feet. That was a big horse. I had another horse. Her bridle would have been about four feet. Four to five feet, a river of blood that goes about 180 miles. Just like that. All of these people, and they're judged. Just like that. Poof. Just like that. All of the things that haven't cut them off from the kingdom of this world one thing at a time. Poof, poof, poof. Just very rapidly, all the way through. And we'll see it when we see the bowls of wrath poured out. One thing at a time, they're cut off from everything that they thought they could hold on to. And then they're standing there with nothing but who they are and in the presence of God and the Antichrist and the false prophet are taken alive and cast alive into the lake of fire. Everybody else died. Hades, they're sent to hell. Their bodies collapse in a stunning way for your flesh and your eyeballs to melt in, an, in a second or two seconds at the presence of the Christ who all he has to do is say something. That's all he has to do. The brilliance of his appearing. And those millions and millions and millions of earth dwellers are gone. They're dead. We're going to study in the Revelation 19 that his robe, the vesture of his robe is dipped in blood. Well, that's because the victorious Christ who came for a fight rides his white horse of victory over the collapsed bodies and through the river of blood it came from his enemies and their blood splatters on his robe and that's it how it happens further details are given in the next was 15 16 17 18 and 19. And then the kingdom and then the new heaven and the new earth. Well, all right. That finishes this particular chapter uh, tonight. So God willing, we'll pick up in the next chapter the next time, if we have a next time together on Wednesday. Let's pray. Holy Father God, we marvel at the focus of your prophecy, your timeline, your sovereign will, your purpose. We're so thankful for Christ who shields us, who has made us worthy by his worthiness who has made us righteous by his righteousness, who will come very soon, I think, to catch us away and to keep us from the horrors of the trouble that's coming upon the earth. And so we praise the name of Jesus in everything that we do. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the deposit of your Holy Spirit in our lives 
and for how we can so clearly see how at last your kingdom will be established. Father, in these times of, of threats and intimidations and, and these times of warnings and these times of plagues and sickness, these times of delusion and deceit, God, just give us strong hearts and a straight path to walk in and protect us and help us Keep us from harm and sickness and strengthen us so that in these last days we can proclaim the gospel and teach the Bible unlike at any other time in the history of your church. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.